All right, I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to look at the word together. I pray that you would help me to communicate well this message that I think you've put on my heart for us today. And so I ask for help for me to communicate and I ask for all of us, Lord, that we would receive from you what is on your heart, Lord, so we can continue to enjoy you and glorify you always. We ask this in Jesus' name. If you guys agree, say amen. Amen. All right, so today what I'm going to talk to you about is hope. I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 13, uh, starting in verse 13. And in the NIV, it says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about how to be together and how to follow Christ. And he has this list previous to this, and he says, listen, I want you guys, he, he follows Corinthians 13 with all the gifts of the Spirit. He does the previous one where he says, listen, you can do everything. You can lay your life down as a martyr. You can speak mysteries of angels. You can prophesy. You can do miracles. But if you don't love, it's all absolutely worthless. And in fact, he goes on to say, all of those things will stop. There will come a point where we don't need to prophesy anymore. There will come a point where you don't need miracles anymore. There'll be a point where we're not speaking in different languages anymore. All of those things will stop, but there will be These things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Amen? These are the things that remain. These are the things that are eternal and continue. And he says, and the greatest of these is love. In in the message, he says it like this, but for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards the consummation. Trust steadily in God. There's the faith. Hope unswervingly. I like that, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. I I liked the dance today of that that beautiful Lauren Daigle song, bringing us back, and as they're showing us, like, God, what would I have done? Thank God I have you. That's that's that faith in him, but it's also that unswerving hope. It's it's you that I'm hoping in. Where else am I going to go? I've got you. I've been through it. How many of you have been through it? right? You're currently probably going through something, but there's something that's offered to us that's greater than whatever we're currently going through and what you'll face tomorrow. Because those comforting words from Jesus where he says, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got plenty of trouble of its own. You're like, thank you? But, but, but he can afford those extravagant comments because he's telling you, I'm going to be with you tomorrow. Believe me, you're going to have greater battles tomorrow because I'm going to be with you. And by the way, you're going to have greater victories tomorrow because I'm going to be with you. That was actually a really good point. So thank you, Jesus. So as we're building on this, though, we've got to have faith. We know without faith, it's impossible to please God is what the scripture says. We have to have hope. We have to have hope because if what we see is all that there is, how many of you guys know that's pretty hopeless, isn't it? If that's all that there is, and we're going to get into hope a little more, so I'll just leave that there for now. But we got to have love. The foundation that these things rest in is love. And, and Paul just laid that out. You know, this is all, all of those other things will stop. They all happen through love. If I don't have love, these other things don't even work correctly. In fact, the foundation of the kingdom through Christ is love. Faith, hope, and love. Everything is resting on love. The first thing that we have coming out of that love is that we're, we're receiving and, and giving love. We're receiving from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we're giving love to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know you can't give away what you don't have, can you? 
And we didn't even know what love was until all of a sudden Jesus died for us while we were still enemies. He's like, you want to know what love looks like? Bam. I lived the life you couldn't live. I died the death that you deserve to die so that I could be raised again and you with me. That's how much I love you. I gave myself for you. The Father goes, I gave my only son for you. Holy Spirit goes, I'll form Christ in you. So we receive that love. Then we give that love back to him. Unless you love me more than anyone else, says the Lord, then you're not worthy of me. Why? Because if we love others more than God, it gets weird. Our love gets tainted. We use people. We idolize people. It's just, it's weird. Just say it. It's weird. Thank you. Thank you. We got to have love first for God and, 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 and we receive it. Then we give it back to him. Then the second part is, is that we love others. If we have this religion that just makes us into this sort of esoteric group, this small little secret society that just has a whole bunch of rules, well, what point is that? No, we, we love others. In fact, the second commandment, the great commandment that Jesus gives us, he says, a new commandment I give you, love others as I have loved you. What does that look like? Well, we just heard it a minute ago. If I love others the way that God loves me, then that means while they're my enemy, I love them right now before they're my friend. Wow. So, so, so the kingdom that we're demonstrating through our lives looks like that. The foundation of everything that we do, the filter that we see everything through is love. It's resting. But there's two other things that remain. There's faith, which is the trust that he is who he says that he is, and he will do what he said he will do. There's that faith. And we can have faith in him because we've received the love. The love qualifies. It's like, wow, if this is your character, I just believe that you're going to do what you said you would do and that you're going to be with me. So there's that faith. And so therefore, the things you say, because of who you are and what you've done, I believe that what you say is what you will continue to do. Amen? But then there's another thing there, and that is hope. So we need all three of these. If we, if we, if we, and if we lose one of them, it gets weird, doesn't it? It's just, it's weird. It's lopsided. You know, in the same way that love and hope without faith gets weird, you're just like, well, I'm just, well, in the same way is that love and faith without hope gets weird. It, it gets lopsided. It gets strange. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You can't just take one piece of what God has said. These are the three things that remain and go, well, I don't really need one of them. How, how well will that work for us, right? We need food, we need water, and we need air. How well are you going to do without one of those? Fair enough? Let me move on. So today I want to specifically focus on hope. I want to specifically focus on hope today. I feel like, I feel like the Lord wants to restore hope for this tribe. And, and I will share with you, I recently, uh, I, God recently touched my heart in the area of hope. And I didn't know I was having a hope problem. You know, how many, how many of you guys notice that it's like sometimes you're the last person to know the most important thing going on in your life? Does anybody, am I the only one? Okay. There's a few of us. Thank you. You guys all get humility, honesty of words. The Lord saw what you did. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. I love this. So, therefore, having been justified by, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by, into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in, of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, 
and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, and does not disappoint because the of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So there it is again, right? We just saw the kingdom. We just saw what he's talking about in Romans. There are those three things again. We have peace with God through faith in Jesus, and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this is an amazing thing. Let me, let me, just, let me just paraphrase what we just read. We have peace with God through faith. We saw that. In Jesus, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Now, that seems pretty straightforward. I'm like, well, yeah, that's obvious. These all these good promises. But then that gives us the ability, he says there, to exalt in tribulations. Even in the very midst of tribulations, we're called to be able to exalt in them. And you guys, this is not hyperbole. This is not some cute little thing. He's saying we actually exalt in the troubles that we face in tribulations, because they produce hope, and hope doesn't disappoint us because of the love of God poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. This is on level, I want you guys to receive this, this is on level with the fact is that we believe that God, the invisible God, formed everything that we see out of nothing. He made it himself, and then when sin came, sin and death came, he chose to send his own son in the flesh to live the life we couldn't live so that we could be saved. And he died and he was in the tomb for three days. And after three days, he rose again because the Holy Spirit raised him up from the dead. And he fulfilled every promise and prophecy in the scriptures so that we who would believe in him through faith could be saved so that we could live forever. That's what we believe. Is that what we believe? This is what we're talking about then is saying, okay, now if you believe that and if that is true, and it is true, amen? Okay, if you believe that, then part of the inheritance, part of the kingdom, part of what you and I do through faith and love and hope is we actually live like this to the point that when we're going through tribulations, we exalt and and take joy in the hope that we have in the fullness of the complete and total restoration of all things when Christ comes again, but also we take and exalt even in the very troubles because we know it's only through those troubles that our character is proven. Now that is rough, right? I mean, that's, that's, that is supernatural is what that is. It's not natural, it's supernatural. How many of you guys here I mean, it's not enjoyable, right, to go through troubles, is it? Not naturally, but there's something that we're actually invited into in the midst of the pain that we, like Christ, it says Christ, for the joy set before him, bore the cross, despising the shame. It doesn't say he enjoyed the cross, it says that he endured the cross, but for the joy set before him, he was willing to go through that moment because he saw what it was worth, and what was the reward? Us. And his father being restored in relationship with all of us. What's the point though? He, when, do you remember when Jesus broke bread with the disciples and he said, I have been eagerly 
looking forward to this night to break bread when he's saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. He said, I have been waiting to eat this meal with you. And he knew at that time that he's saying, I'm fulfilling this prophecy. And then that bread that's going to be broken in like 10 minutes is me. I'm breaking the bread and I'm telling you this is it. I'm pouring the wine. I'm telling you this is it. But in a couple of hours, I'm actually going to go and they're going to break me and my blood is going to be poured out. But here's the thing. I'm going to save the world. We are called to have that same invitation to purpose, invitation to understanding that even in the midst of the tribulations, in fact, when the tribulations come, that we actually see those and go, okay, I'm going to endure this because I know that the promise of God is that he will form Christ in me, not in spite of this tribulation, but in the midst of it. In fact, this tribulation will work to my good to form proven character in me through the power of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, as he works it in me. These aren't pretty words. This is life. This is life. And how many of you, again, how many of you are in the midst of something really hard right now? Raise your hand. Yeah. You're going through something. And what I want to tell you right now is not like, buck up, buttercup, oh, just look on the bright side of life. No, I'm saying be filled with the Holy Spirit which raised Christ from the dead because you need his hope to endure in the midst of this to the point that you can actually glory in the midst of this that through no other means Christ will be formed in this situation. And, and this is the situation that for whatever reason he has promised. What did he say? I will work all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purposes. So no matter what happens to you, and Paul said, I am convinced nothing can separate me from the love of Christ and that everything will work for the good of those that are called according to his purposes. And that is us, saints. That is us. So there is no place that you can look at and say, God cannot work this to good. He will work it to good. Now, you can sit there and try to imagine what that is, but I want to tell you something. You won't. Because you're not him. You need the spirit of God. Just like this song that we just listened to, right? Where it's like, when suddenly you're aware of God. She said, then suddenly, right? Her mind is stilled. Her mind is at peace. She's suddenly able to think clearly, she said. And we can't think like Christ without the mind of Christ. We can't have the mind of Christ without the word of God. And we can't understand the word of God without the Holy Spirit. And beloved saints, we need the Holy Spirit. I, I, I so appreciate the last part. It says, hope does not disappoint. This is the last. Um, can you put up the last part of uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5? I think it's verse 5. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. He doesn't expect us to be hopeful without his Holy Spirit. We can only have this hope because the Spirit of God is pouring the love of God into us. I want you to take comfort in that right now. I want you to take comfort in your absolute need for the Spirit of God to be poured into each of us so that we can endure even to the point of exalting in tribulations. I want you to tell your soul, like, soul, I'm sorry, I've been trying to get you to buck up as though I could do that for you. Instead of going, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you begin to pour the Spirit of God into me and make me more aware of your love than anything else, even in the midst of this terror, even in the midst of this trial, even in the midst of this injustice, even in the midst of this waiting? 
Whatever it is, God, would you pour your Holy Spirit into me, pour that love into me so that I can not only endure this, but exalt that you will work something good even in the midst, even in the midst. Not everything that happens to you, beloved, is the will of God. But the promise is that in everything that happens to you, he will work it to good. It doesn't mean he willed everything that happened. We know that God doesn't always get his will on this earth. He is in charge. But did you notice he's not controlling everything? What's the prayer that we just prayed? Father in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because it's not being done everywhere on earth as it is in heaven yet. And we continue to pray that until Christ comes and completes the good work. You guys receive that? Do you see that? But he does promise for those that are called in him that he will work everything to good. And that's hard to hold on to. In fact, he doesn't even expect us to hold on to it apart from continuing to say, Spirit of God, fill me so that I can believe the same promises that Jesus believed through the power of the Holy Spirit with the mind of Christ as you've given that to me. Help me in this moment, God. Don't let me, don't let me despair, God. Don't let me despair. I remember David said, I would have despaired. I would have despaired. But then I remembered I would see I would see in the land of the living. I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And we see it here and we see it there. So we have promises on both ends, amen? All right, let me keep going. Are you guys tracking with me okay? Am I going too fast? Somebody said, yep. (laughs) I think so. I think I also am going a little too fast. My goodness, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. See, I believe that God wants to restore hope in us. So, so, so first I want to start to say, okay, okay. Where might I need hope? Where might I need hope restored? You know, many of us, I think, can find ourselves running on faith and love and not even recognize, like, I've actually, I've actually lost hope for this situation. I, I've actually lost hope for my situation. I've actually lost hope, perhaps, to view all situations. So it's more of just like a low-level change that starts to result in discouragement. (laughs) I can find myself demoted from being a person who's always ready to give a reason for the hope that I have. You guys remember that scripture? Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I might find myself instead as sort of like the HR director in the Department of Lowered Expectations. (laughs) It's like, all these really trying that fella. (laughs) I want to talk specifically in the area of like loss and regret. Loss of dreams, loss of opportunity, loss through living in this world and the different regrets that can start to break us down, the, the different areas that just didn't go the way we thought they would go and now you're here and you're like, and you find yourself in that place. Philippians chapter three, verse seven through 16. I want to share this with you. He's speaking Paul is speaking, he says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. How many of you guys remember when Jason preached on this and that word garbage, what it means, scubula? It means manure from humans. I'll let you do the math. But that's the word he uses. So I consider all that stuff, all my accolades, all those things that I've had, scubula, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. There's that word again, right? I love this. He's going to use all three of them again. You guys can pick them out. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, listen to this, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I want to talk to you about the four horsemen of discouragement. They're kind of like, there's three brothers and a cousin. You guys all remember, you know, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were like the, the, the studs of faith and, you know, oh, king, God is able to save us from you. But even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down to you. And they throw them in there and they're amazing, right? These bastions of faith. Well, these guys, they're, they're, they're the force horsemen of discouragement. Their names, there's, what do we have? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys are coulda, shoulda, woulda, and their cousin, I wish I. <laughs> and these guys tear us up in this life, don't they? Right? When we're thinking about loss, when we're thinking about those places where you're just sort of like, I, I'm, <laughs> you've become discouraged, you usually look back and these chuckleheads are in your life. And when you think back, they're right there to recount the story. Oh man, I could have. Oh, I should have. I'm the worst. Especially with like any good deal. I'll drive by and I'll see like some amazing property that I was like, that was such a good deal. I'm like, baby, we could have bought that for $100,000. It's worth $400,000 now. She's like, honey, how much money did you have then? Because you had none. So like, I don't even know why you're complaining about this, as though you're just gonna pull a hundred grand out of what, nowhere? Anyway, she just, she's, she's always popping a cap in those four. But here's, here's, here's something I wanna talk to you about this. So in Delta Force, did, did, how many of you guys here used to like The Unit? Do you remember that show some years back, The Unit? Not very many of you. Well, I loved it, I loved it. I'm not recommending it. I never recommend those things because that always gets me in trouble. But my wife and I loved it. And one of the things they were talking about, because uh, Delta Force was actually written by a guy who served in Delta, or unit was written by a guy who served in Delta Force. And I read his book, which was really fascinating. And one of the things he talked about um, in, when he was trained, this is a true person that was trained in, in one of the original Delta Force training, was that when they were training them for both theater of war and survival situations, what they would train them is, listen, you must never engage in regret over what just went wrong. Rather, you have to immediately assess the current situation and plan your next move. And that mindset can, will determine whether you live or die in most situations, especially survival situations. If you spend time using your mental faculties, your emotional energy on what you wish, in other words, the brothers and the cousin, coulda, shoulda, woulda, and I wish I, you will be using all of your imagination rather than solving what's in front of you with a hopeful outcome of life. You'll just be spending all of your time of, well, if only, and then, oh, it would have been, and then I coulda, and then I woulda, and it just, it just absolutely tears you down. And in this situation, can literally 
and will literally affect your outcome, whether you live or die in theater war or in a survival situation. It's pretty strong stuff, huh? And they have to train them to say, you cannot have that mindset. That will get you killed. Regret can also stem from, well, let me ask you this. How many of you guys are seeing yourself in that, right? The coulda, shoulda, woulda. And you look back and you're like, man, how many times have I replayed that scenario? You know, I gave a, a speech at my cousin's wedding. How many years ago, Karen? Like 17 years ago or something? Some crazy number. I have gone back it for years because I blew it really bad. I totally choked. I know you guys can't believe that because I'm such a silver-tongued charmer up here. But I completely, it was horrible. Like the worst you've seen here is way worse than that. Every time that I would speak publicly, I would remember how badly I did when I gave that speech. It honestly was my worst public speaking that I've ever done. And I was so disappointed in myself. And I did it because I mattered so much to me. And in that moment, I just literally choked. I just did. But I'll tell you something. I went back and hung out with coulda, shoulda, woulda, wish I so many times. And every time I would go to speak, you know what they would tell me? Don't screw up. Because remember that time when you did? That's all the advice those suckers had for me. And it takes so much energy. And I'd just be like, oh my goodness, let me just focus on don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up. And what does that do for me? It's just draining. And how many of you guys can, right? Same thing, right? Oh, don't, don't miss out on opportunities ever again. Thank you for that helpful information. <laughs> Coulda, shoulda, what? You guys are so articulate. It's regret. It's regret and it's, it's, it's counterfactual. Regret can also stem from counterfactual thinking. In other words, the easier it is to envision a different outcome, the more likely we are to regret the lost opportunity. The Harvard Newsletter tells a story of a man in Liverpool who always chose the same set of lottery numbers. One time, however, he forgot to buy a ticket and his numbers came up. <laughs> According to the story, the poor man was so full of self-recrimination and regret, he committed suicide. Can you imagine coming that close to a life of riches and then not getting it because of his own inaction was perhaps too much to bear? Interestingly, career mistakes are a frequent source of regret in research studies, perhaps because of opportunities that people come close to but miss. That's from the, uh, um, uh, oh, now I can't remember what journal it was from, so I just should have written it down. Oh, I could have, should have, <laughs> wish I. But these things become absolute cages that we live in. They demoralize us. They steal from us. They, they capture our thinking. They, they take our imagination and turn it in the wrong direction. Instead of looking forward with hope, we look backwards with regret. You guys see that? Now, what ends up happening is when we do this and we face these trials in life or these troubles in life, we start to, what I want to say is we start to carry the losses we start to carry those losses and, and coulda, shoulda, woulda, and I wish I are always happy to remind you of them. And, we, and we, we start to let that weigh us down. And what ends up happening is that becomes the filter of how we look at life. And we end up looking more in the rearview mirror, honestly, than we do through the, the windshield. I think it was Tony Evans that said, you know, there's a reason why the windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror. It's important to be able to glance back and Make sure you, you know, what's going on behind you, like a little bit. Just check in, sure. But the windshield is bigger because where you're going is better and bigger than where you came from. 
Amen? And with, with hope, we realize that. See, this, these losses, when we carry these losses, what it starts to tell us is that your best days are behind you. Your best opportunities are behind you. I mean, yeah, back when, I mean, you guys should have seen me. I mean, I know I'm a handsome man. I tell you every week. But you should have seen me in my 20s. I mean, I remember, anyway, I just, I want you guys all to have a lot of self-esteem, and so I try to model that for you. But the reality is, if I'm going to make it about vanity, and I do joke, I am confident. I'm not as vain as I pretend to be. But, but I was vain when I was young. I will, I will confess to that. But here's the deal. If that's what it's about for me, my best days are behind me. You know, I had, right? But hope says, no, your best days are ahead of you. I mean, if you guys could have seen me in my 20s, wait till you see me in my 130s. When I have my regenerated body. You, you know what I'm saying? When, I, when Christ's light is shining on me, you're going to be like, that was no joke. That's, that guy looks like his daddy. Right? But hopelessness says your best days are behind you. Hopelessness says you missed that opportunity. If you would have made that investment 40 years ago, you'd be wealthy and able to help the kingdom. But look at you now. You're in your 50s. You're in your 60s. What good is it to even invest? Compound interest won't even help you at this point. What could possibly happen? All you're going to do is blah, 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 blah. You know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Just coming in there, just eating your lunch, as Red says, and popping the bag. So, so we've got to... We've got to take then, scriptures give us this, this directive, and it's right here. It says, I love this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is where C.S. Lewis gets that term, onward and upward. You and I, no matter what happens in this life, you realize the worst thing that can happen to you in this life is that somebody kills you, right? And they can't even get that permanently done. That's the worst thing that somebody can do is send you early to be present with the Lord in case you missed it. This life is fatal. You're going to die anyway. You should be more encouraged by this. I'm just saying... That's all they can do is get you into the arms of the Father where you get to finally see him with your own eyes sooner than you're already scheduled. And chances are, he'll work it to good. So we got to take these things head on. When you're in the middle of a tribulation, you got to remember like, wow, okay, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me out so I can actually exalt in this thing. That's going to take more than our own natural disposition. So, we got to get to an action step because I'm at 30 minutes right now. So here we go. You know what your losses are. You might not be thinking about them right now, but your soul knows. And I really believe that especially in this last few years, we have all incur- incurred some strong losses. And I think a lot of us are still carrying them. And to that degree, what's happened is coulda, shoulda, would I, wish I are spending time robbing our energy, changing the lens through which we look. We're looking backwards instead of ahead. And even when we're looking ahead, we may be under the influence of those things where we've lost some hope. Hope is not reasonable, guys. It is unreasonable. Hope 
is not natural. It's supernatural. You, you, you actually have to be in a certain level of denial to hold on to hope. You do. It's not that you deny what's in front of you. It's, you, it's that you deny that what's in front of you is eternal. There's a bad kind of denial. There's a, there's a kind that won't admit what's in front of you. Don't do that. But don't let what's in front of you become permanent when God says this is temporary. And even if this thing kills you, even if it's unto death, no one, no one can take eternal life from you. So this, this morning right now, what I want to do is I just want to invite God to bring to your mind right now what are those areas where each of us, I want us to ask them, and, and, and I want us to take a moment and just be like, Lord, will you show me where am I carrying losses? And then we're gonna, and then we're gonna release those to the Lord, as 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 the as the uh, as the Scripture says. He says, "I consider, or forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead." We're allowed to forget about those losses, and letting them be behind us because we're moving towards this and he'll, he'll, even those things he'll work to good. Are you guys with me? But if we're still carrying it. So Lord, I want to ask right now for all of us that you would bring to mind, to bring to our minds right now those areas where we're carrying losses. Now I just want you to begin now, just between you and the Lord right now, just just take your hands like this and just whisper to the Lord those things he's brought and just say, Lord, I'm going to put all those losses right now into into my cupped hands. Let's just begin to just put them all in there, just you, just between you and the Lord, but just whisper it.
And now we're just going to say, Jesus, I give these to you. And just pour them into his hands. Scripture says this. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't expect us to be able to be filled with joy or peace or to abound in hope unless the God of hope fills us with all joy and peace in believing so that we will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you guys want to receive some of that today? Because that's, this is God's will for us. This is, this is the only way that we can have these things as if God himself gives them to us. And so if that's you, I think it might be appropriate. Why don't we just kind of put our hands back there and ask the Lord. And I'm just going to pray for us. Lord, I pray this right now, Romans 15, 13, over myself and over this family. Lord, may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that we will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would go to every place where we've been carrying losses now and fill those places with hope, with joy, with peace in believing. I pray that you would restore in us, God, abounding hope. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I'd love to have the, uh, the elders and the home group leaders and anybody who's on the prayer team, please come forward. If you'd like further ministry, we love getting the opportunity to minister one to another in this family. So let us partner with you. And uh, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. God be with you. Go give a reason for the hope that you